This is the KPMG Board Insights Podcast, and this episode is about tax risk and transparency. Welcome to the KPMG Board Insights Podcast, brought to you by the KPMG Board Leadership Center. The KPMG Board Insights Podcast series features conversations with directors, business leaders, and governance luminaries to explore the emerging issues and pressing challenges facing boards today. In this episode, Manal Corwin, principal in charge in the Washington National Tax Practice of KPMG LLP and a member of the KPMG LLP board, talks with John Gimigliano, principal in charge of federal tax legislative and regulatory services at KPMG LLP, about the evolving U.S. and international tax landscapes as well as the connection between tax, environmental, social, and governance initiatives, and corporate reputation. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this short take on the evolving and increasingly complex tax landscape and some of the accompanying challenges and risks that are facing corporations as a result of it. My name is Manel Corwin. I'm the principal in charge of KPMG's Washington National Tax Practice, and I also serve as a director on KPMG LLP's board of directors. I'm joined today by my colleague, John Gimigliano, who's the principal in charge of KPMG's federal tax legislative and regulatory services practice. So there's a lot of disruption, John, in the tax space right now, and we could spend hours on the topic. But in this short take, we really wanted to draw everyone's attention to three key themes that are consequential in attracting um, the attention of both C-suites and boards. The first um, is the impact of the change in administration um, and the most recent developments um, in the election on, on the U.S. tax system. The second is the evolving global tax environment, in particular, um, the OECD-led efforts for coordinated global tax reforms. And then finally, um, there's this important emerging role of tax in connection with corporate sustainability and ESG considerations. But let's start with the, with the domestic landscape. John, um, can you talk to us about how a Biden administration might change the direction of the U.S. tax system, uh, particularly in light of recent developments in Georgia? Well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me here. And uh, that's certainly the question of the day, isn't it? I think it's worth remembering a Biden administration cannot write the tax law themselves, right? They need Congress to do it. And that's why those Senate races in Georgia were so very important. Now, full transparency, uh, we're recording this the morning of January 6th. We don't have yet final results in those Georgia races, but by all accounts, it appears the Democrats have won both of them. It would take something pretty unusual to undo that. So let's just work off of that assumption uh, for now that Democrats have both of those Georgia seats. That would therefore give Democrats control of the Senate as well as the House. And that's important for a lot of reasons, one of which is it gives them control of the agenda, the tax agenda and overall legislative agenda. But in the tax world, it gives them control of the, the tax measures that they would consider, the laws that they would debate, ultimately vote on, and ultimately try and get to President Biden, a President Biden, to sign. And so it is important. So if we think about what that means for taxes and the future of taxes, well, I, I think it means a couple of things. Look, obviously, uh, Joe Biden ran on increasing taxes, uh, and not just for the sake of increasing taxes, but to raise taxes to pay for other priorities, in some cases, other tax priorities and other spending priorities as well. Uh, and in doing so, he was largely uh, cheered on by uh, both House and Senate Democrats. So I would expect that House and Senate Democrats would largely agree with a number of measures that 
uh, Biden has talked about. But here's the thing. Biden uh, will find it, I think, very challenging because he will have the very narrowest of margins in both really the House and the Senate to deal with. So it won't be easy to get uh, some of the Biden tax proposals through, but I do expect that they will get some through. I think when we get to you know January 6, 2022, for example, taxes will be higher in some way. Exactly which way, we're going to have to see how it plays out. But just a couple of things that I think everybody should be thinking about. Number one is that um, there, there very well could be increases on wealthy individuals. Biden has talked a lot. It's really been in the centerpiece of his tax plan is raising taxes on wealthy individuals, those making 400000 a year or more, and taking that money and allocating it in other, other areas, and as well as raising taxes on corporations, both the corporate rate and on taxes and income earned outside the U.S. So I think these are things that uh, people should think about. And just one last thought for you to think about and for everybody to think about, I think, is now we had, as you know this, tax reform for the first time in 31 years back in 2017. It had been a monumental task for corporations to adapt that new law. And as they've done that, it's been a lot of work. And we are looking at the possibility of having to live through that all over again and adapt to new laws. And that's going to be very challenging, I think, for a lot of companies to get through. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So bottom line, uncertainty and more change. And interestingly, there's also uncertainty and disruption occurring outside the United States um, that also intersects with what, what, the, what the U.S. legislative agenda will be. Um, we've seen over the last few years that there's been a, a growing dissatisfaction among tax administrations globally um, with the ability of the current longstanding international tax rules um, and standards that, that were achieved by consensus across jurisdictions, but the ability of those rules to adequately tax or fairly allocate among jurisdictions tax revenue associated in particular with mobile income in a technology-enabled economy. So that dissatisfaction, along with a public perception, I'd say particularly outside the United States, that corporations aren't, quote, paying their fair share of tax, that has put a pressure on governments to reform tax rules for the on corporations um, operating across borders. So in response to these pressures, which really have been building since the, the financial, the 2008 financial crisis, the OECD has been leading an effort to achieve consensus among 137 countries, including the U.S., on a set of global reforms that would increase the ability of market jurisdictions to tax automated digital digital services, so technology-enabled services, and consumer-facing activities in the jurisdictions in which those activities are happening, as well as to establish a global minimum tax enforced through a series of coordinated global rules. Not surprisingly, consensus has been difficult to achieve, especially in light of the pandemic, And the U.S. in particular has been concerned that the current proposals for reforms are disproportionately targeting U.S. companies. So while most countries, including the U.S., would much prefer a consensus-based global solution um, to reforms, political pressure to act has has caused certain countries, um, including France, for example, to move forward with unilateral uh, measures in the form of, um, for example, these digital services taxes that many of you might have heard about. What France has said is they're going to move forward in implementing these grants in a number of other countries if they see a failure for the 137 countries at the OECD to achieve consensus by the middle of next year. The Trump administration had already signaled that any such measures coming, any such unilateral measures coming out of France or other countries would be met with retaliatory tariffs, um, and they've threatened tariffs against French goods. 
And the EU, in turn, has signaled that tariffs imposed against France would cause the EU to respond in kind with retaliatory trade measures against um, U.S. goods. So what we're seeing is the building of tensions and a lot of pressure on getting to some some change um, this year. And I think the bottom line here is that what we expect in 2021 is to see some impactful changes, either in the form of agreement on global tax reforms um, that will see costs rising um, for corporations, either because of additional taxes or just the uncertainty and um, initial adjustment associated with those changes, or we will see a breakdown in the ability to achieve global agreement, the proliferation of unilateral measures that will have costs associated with them, but also the possibility of, uh, of a trade battle uh, and, and, you know, tariffs going back and forth, which will impact different industries um, across across the country. So again, very, very impactful, something to to look out for, and and will we will see disruption and change in that space. Could I just add an observation to that, Manal, because it's such a good point, but I think one thing in terms of disruption for people to think about is, you know, we talked about it today as domestic, and we talked about it as outside the U.S., what's happening. But of course, as you alluded to, they're all happening simultaneously and all colliding with each other at the same time. So you want to talk about complexity. Imagine the disruption of trying to understand how the Biden plan, a Biden plan operates in ultimately interacts with what's going on outside the U.S. and how what's going on outside the U.S. ultimately interacts with what's happening in the U.S. and in uh, in terms of legislation. So it's just one more area of complexity and disruption that I think enterprises have to consider as we go into 2021. Completely agree. Let's turn to our third theme, um, and again, not not completely disconnected from what we've been talking about, um, but and that's the, the connection between tax sustainability, ESG agendas, and, um, you know, corporate reputation. So, John, maybe start with how has tax been incorporated into um, the measurements of corporate sustainability over the last couple of years? Well, it's been a fascinating thing to watch evolve. I mean, we've all seen ESG itself, right, move from sort of the edges of the corporate agenda to the center of the corporate agenda over the last decade or so. And I, I suppose it was inevitable that tax would ultimately brought, be brought into that conversation. You know, I, I, I'm sure that you feel the same way, Manal, but in my 25 plus years of working, uh, I've seen the way people think about tax evolve so much, you know, from simply managing to effective tax rate. Um, it, it seems increasingly like an antiquated uh, notion that there was so much more complexity around how companies manage their tax function and manage their tax risk. And so this is essentially a part of it that if you think about what ESG has been about, much of it has always been about disclosing risks right? Risks that otherwise are not totally apparent to investors. And this is really just another uh, extension of that, which is what is your tax risk? How is a company managing its tax function? Which risks might be in there that investors, institutional investors, might not otherwise be able to see? So when we think about really what this is about, I think in many ways, it is simply that. Asking a question of how are you managing your tax function? Are you taking you know, aggressive positions in turn managing your liability? Are you being transparent to uh, investors and authorities, tax authorities around the world in terms of what you're doing? And that's really an extension of all that. And what we're seeing is this convergence of what we've seen attacks ultimately into the ESG agenda. Yeah, completely agree. And it's show, showing up in formal ways, right, John, in, in, in sustainability, the Dow Jones Sustainability Index has a, a tax component. The GRI has a tax component. So, so in certain cases, it's a it's a formal call out of tax for companies seeking to score high on these sustainability indexes from the perspective of investors. And in certain cases, it's showing up informally. 
because of just concerns about reputational risk or or pressure from the from the public for 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 companies to to, to pay attention to tax as a sustainability um, consideration. That's right, Manel. I, I think uh, increasingly we're seeing tax included as a component of these ESG uh, indexes. And one of the really interesting things about it is that uh, I think there's still a lot of questions about which criteria should those indexes include in terms of taxes. I think there's a lot of um, work yet to be done in terms of what information is relevant and, and which maybe isn't in terms of what pieces of tax should be included in those indexes. That's right, John. And, and I think um, there's, a, there's also another dimension here, and, and that is tax as a policy vehicle to achieve ESG objectives. Um, and maybe speak to that a little bit as, as we see companies look to the possible tax incentives to basically drive or further their, their ESG objectives. Well, it's a good, it's a good point, Manal. You know, we often think of taxes as just simply a way to raise revenue for governments. And let's not kid ourselves. It's a lot of that, but that's not all it is. Tax can do so many things from a policy objective and has over the years. Uh, many times you have Congress enacting tax provisions that really are designed to encourage or incentivize, incentivize behavior that Congress thinks or the government thinks is good. And we ought to think about some of those things in terms of ways of driving behavior as something that would be a public good. I, I think back to my time working on Capitol Hill as a tax writer. I uh, was one of the lead drafters of some of the renewable energy provisions, the solar tax credits and the wind tax credits come to mind. There are many others. I mean, as recently as the CARES Act, uh, the COVID relief bill that was passed last year had a number of items, including, for example, this employee retention credit designed to get uh, companies, give companies a tax credit to lower the taxes so long as they kept employees on the payroll. So very often we're seeing that what, what necessarily is, uh, you know, um, tax behavior that would be deemed to be beneficial under ESG doesn't necessarily mean paying higher taxes. That's not necessarily what it's about. It's about um, the kind of, you know, responsible behavior and transparent behavior many governments think uh, is is useful for the greater good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you said it earlier, John, you, you know, in the 25 years you've been practicing, the 30, 30 years I've been practicing as a tax professional, this is an unusual time just in terms of the the scale, scope uh, of change, and the fact that tax is at the forefront um, of so many issues right now. Um, and so just looking looking at it, just a, a few takeaways um, from the conversation. First, uh, corporate boards and audit committees really should understand um, and track the relevant risks posed by the uncertainty and complexity of this evolving both domestic and global tax landscape, because it is very likely to have a material impact on a number of businesses um, in in the coming years. Second, it's going to be important um, to understand the company's tolerance for reputational risk um, associated with corporate tax choices that are being made, and and to evaluate the extent to which a tax governance framework um, and associated controls should be in place for purposes of mitigating this risk um, or improving sustainability scores. For some companies, uh, that's a very formal process and the board is involved. In other companies, it it stays within the tax departments. But either way, there should be an awareness of of the company's point of view on, on the topic. Third, decisions about tax transparency and public disclosure, again, very, very uh, big themes right now that we're hearing across the globe. Those are um, need to be carefully evaluated and, and weighed against risk of um, exposure of competitive information or public misuse or misunderstanding of, of the information um, being reported. And then finally, I think corporation, corporations should continue to, to pay close attention to the increasing convergence of tax and ESB 
including by identifying opportunities to further the corporation's um, ESG's objectives through tax credits and incentives being made available by, by government and, and policymakers. So with that, we thank you again all for joining us and uh, wish you a, a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to our podcast episode on tax risk and transparency. Be sure to visit the Board Leadership Center website at kpmg.com slash us slash blc for more resources and information for board members and business leaders and be sure to subscribe to the board insights podcast to be notified of new episodes